It's a bit like marketing, isn't it? You have to get attention. It's the same as if the kids are trying to get sweets off you. They will say, dad, 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 dad. <laughs> but you have to, that's just humans, isn't it? You need that attention before you can get what you want. Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Randa Pierce. And today we're talking about how to diagnose complications which actually came from a different question, which is how to ask for help on forums. I realized it's the same answer to two different questions. So let's dive in. So we've had closed Facebook groups for many years, and I've observed that the outcome of whether or not someone gets a great answer to their question does massively depend on the quality of their initial question, doesn't it? Absolutely. And and this is the thing that really struck me is when you see a bad question being pitched which is typically it could be just a picture saying guys does anyone know what this is or uh, or and it's very very short and simple um and it leaves you with just a ton of other questions before mm-hmm. you can start but the thing that struck me is that clinician hasn't got a systematic way of approaching the problem themselves so they are feeling lost it's not that they wouldn't know the answer if they weren't asked the right questions they just haven't got a set of good questions to ask themselves when approaching that. And this, that's what the show is all about, is I'd like to get to the point where essentially there will be seven key compartments to asking a good question, which I believe when you've got those down, you will also probably more often than not have the right answer yourself. And if you don't, you'll ask a brilliant question and get top-notch advice really quickly. Okay. So where's a good place to start with great questions? So for me, it starts with a good hook, as you, as we might call it, um, which is uh, some a reason to keep reading because really you're competing with so on social media if you're asking in a Facebook forum you are actually competing with everything else on social media so it does help to put something in your top sentence that that frames it well as a as something that's important um, so what I wouldn't start with for example is just listing the medical history like the most boring thing you could start with would, would be you know maybe there's no picture and there's a and you start with my patient has uh, the following medical conditions and I'm already bored. Like, yeah. Why don't why do I care about that stuff? So start with something important. Like it could be, I suspect this patient has a vascular occlusion, but I'm not sure. Can anyone help? And then you start your information. But you start with your your key, most important aspect. It's almost like if you look at a scientific paper, you always have your abstract at the top. Mm-hmm. It's the summary. And then you have all the data and then you have a conclusion. It's a bit like that. So we want this a similar structure in terms of presenting your case, which it starts with a very, very short summary of why you're asking the question then you start presenting the rest of your information. It's a bit like marketing, isn't it? You have to get attention. It's the same as if the kids are trying to get sweets off you. They will say, dad, 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 dad. (laughs) But you have to, that's just humans, isn't it? You need that attention before you can get what you want. Yeah, well, this is actually how humans navigate their way through the world, which is through stories. So you need the plot. You need some reason, something catching to get your attention, and then you start to tell the story. Okay, so what's next? Um, Both in terms of asking yourself and diagnosing accomplishing yourself and also presenting a question to a group then you need to start to describe the the history of that case which more often than not starts with the procedure itself so you can break down the procedure into different components i i find it really frustrating trying to help clinicians when i for example you don't know when the procedure was you might have everything except when the procedure was and it means almost nothing like you just don't you do not know where to start if you don't know when the procedure was done so then the first stage, once you've decided, for example, um, guys, can you help? I think I might have a vascular occlusion, is start with what the procedure is. So 
the patient had X, and what what are the nature? What's the nature of the procedure? So there's what was injected, where where it was injected, when it was injected. As I said, is most important. How much was injected? What technique was used? And what was the purpose of the procedure? Because all of these things change what you what you might think of has happened. It might change your diagnosis. For example, what's the purpose of the procedure? If I knew that the goal of the procedure was to project the top lip bigger than the bottom, that would help me understand the volumes that might be used. So even if you don't include the volumes, I know what's likely to have been happening if a patient was using high volumes in the top lip. It, it changes things slightly, so the purpose is important. But these are all the key parts of the procedure that really help. When um, for what purpose, how much was used, what technique, what product. All of these things really help you. Because if you don't list those things out and then someone like you, an expert, has the potential to help. So let's say if I'm I'm on a forum asking for help and you're, you know, maybe the kids are pulling on your arm and you've got to go and, you know, do the school run or whatever. And you're thinking, shall I, or can I, or can I not help this person? You're less likely to, if they have said, guys, what's this? Instead of starting mm. to list out a proper history. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this and in terms of those people offering support, I think we're all, we all want to play a winnable game. Like we want to be able to, to solve problems, but if it's, if you don't even know what the problem is and it's lost in a kind of mishmash of badly presented or a lack of information and all you're getting is loads of questions, then you're just a bit less likely to dive in and get involved with that. So um, as much as it would be great that if everyone answered every question, if you don't ask a good question properly, you you will not get as, as good a response. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be an encyclopedic list of every tiny thing that happened. I really just want one sentence, which is something like my client had one mil of dermal filler in it to project her top lip more. It happened 17 hours ago and it was whatever the, the brand of product that you're using. So I've got a, a fairly good reason why the treatment was done, when it was done, how much was used and what product it was. That gives me everything I need to know in in sentence and a half kind of thing. Okay. So you've explained what happened with the treatment and when, what's next? So once I'm really clear on the procedure, I need to know what's happened after that. And this is really where usually the patient's story starts. Now it's not always the patient's story. Sometimes you go straight into the clinician's story, but most often in these slightly complicated cases, the patient goes home and stuff happens after that. And you're really looking for the sequence of experience the patient has. So the patient first experienced swelling, then experienced itchiness, then experienced a white patch or a bruise. And it's the sequence is as important as what they've experienced. And this is often what I see missed out because the sequence of a hematoma, for example, and a vascular occlusion uh, are very different, but they can sometimes present in the same way, which we've discussed on other shows. So the sequence is really important. So I want to see what they experienced and when they experienced it relative to the procedure. So I sent my patient home. She noticed first lots of swelling. Her capillary refill, which I checked, was normal. She didn't have any pain, but she's come back now because it's dark and she's worried about it. You know, that that's a good sequence of, of experience that I can I can relate time to the experience, which helps me overlay that to what I know about either hematoma or vascular occlusion. So you've explained the patient's experience. What's next? So then the next thing, once you've got everything has happened up to representation, because that's really what we're up to. Once you've got the patient's experience when they were at home, uh, assuming they've discharged it, they should now be back in front of you. And then it's your up-to-date clinical experience, your clinical picture that you need to summarize. So what can you see now? Capillary refill, discoloration, bruising. Um, and what are they experiencing now? So they were in pain, but they're not in pain anymore. Or they were a little bit swollen and now they're a lot swollen. You know, it's that kind of 
continuing um, evolution of clinic of the clinical picture that really helps. Once again, we've already spoken about it much longer than you'll need to do in terms of summarizing it. But patients in front of me now, capillary refill is delayed. The patient is in pain. That's it. That wasn't like that at home. It's got worse. That really helps someone who's trying to help you. Okay. And after the clinical experience? So after the clinical experience, you might include some background. So patient has a history, is on prednisolone for some other cause, or patient has a history of vascular occlusion in a top lip, just like this, you know, whatever the background is, medication, it's really probably one of the less, less important, but it's stuff that just might, might affect some sort of advice that you might give. Um, and it's basically a past medical history, past aesthetic histories that are relevant. I'd include major medical, ma- major medical things, but I wouldn't, you don't want to include that they've had their lips done six times with different fillers. Like it's keep it simple at this stage. You can always expand on that when people ask questions later. Um, they're already taking a medication that you know overlaps with something you might prescribe that might be helpful. Mm. So their patient is already taking prednisolone, is already taking antibiotics. That might change things. So after you've given their medical background, what's next? So really important and a lot, you don't actually have to do this, but I really encourage it because for your learning, it's going to be the best thing, which is actually have a go at stating your own impression and your own plan. So I think it's an infection because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, And what I would do in that case is treat with this antibiotic, you know, and the reason to do that is that you're forcing yourself to actually think through and make a decision. And this I learned as a junior doctor, and all junior doctors learn this. So if you come up to your registrar and ask for advice in A&E and you say, my patient has chest pain, what do I do? He'll be like, whoa. In fact, I remember this happening to me. He was like, slow down, slow down, start from the beginning. Tell me tell me what is presenting complaint is, go through this whole process that we just talked through, and then tell me what you would do because that that forces you to then think through the actions that you should think you should take. And then it lessens the workload on the person you're asking for advice, but it also gives them a chance to sense check your thinking, which is where all the wisdom is. Like if you say, um, I'm going to discharge them home and see what happens and it's a vascular occlusion, someone's going to say, look, that's not how vascular occlusions work. You need to really treat heavily now. And you're going to learn more from making the mistake than you will just letting them do the work for you. But it also increases the chance of them actually giving you good advice. So you're forcing your own cogs to turn, assembling this information that you've documented and using it to make a decision. So even though you don't need to do it, it's probably arguably the most useful part for you to do is to actually take a stab at being wrong in front of all your colleagues. I know it's stressful, but they will they will respect you for it if they can see that you've done your best to lay out all the information clearly. And they will also help you out when your thinking is incorrect and really that's the goal we're after is to make you an independently safe practitioner for the next time that this happens so that yeah. you're teaching you to or you're kind of teaching yourself to fish instead of mm. being given a fish uh, just a, a challenge on that though you've always had that there's a culture in our groups that people should present what they think and so i will say that to people and it sometimes feels a bit i feel a bit tight kind of saying you know please what what do you think it feels a bit like Rrr. And no one has ever said it to me because they know that like I'm the admin of the group, but I have definitely had vibes of like, well, geez, if I knew, I wouldn't have asked. Yeah. I think so many clinicians feel that way because we routinely on our groups, we will challenge back and say, you know, show us what you think you should do. And the reason that it's so valuable to do that is because you're forcing yourself to think. 
gathering the information, anyone can gather the information. I can send you a questionnaire and you can fill it out. The really valuable skill for you to hone is the ability to use that information to make a clinical decision. And although it's definitely easier to ask someone else to do it for you, you lose out on all the value, which is why we always encourage people in our groups to say, tell us what how you would use this information to make a decision. If you go through that process, you will learn. Like that's the learning process because you, the cogs turn, you make a decision, you get it wrong, you learn something, you get it right, you feel amazing. But you don't get very much at all if you just let someone else make the decision. You will learn something, but I really encourage you to have a go at creating a management plan. When you caveat it in the question, by all means, write, I think it's this, but I'm not sure. That's part of your question. But have a go at saying what you think you should do and why, and you will learn 100 times faster than if you let everyone else do the thinking for you. Interestingly, I wonder, I've never had this thought before, but I almost wonder whether the existence of these beautiful groups like we've got, which haven't been around all that long, they certainly weren't when you were coming up, almost might put people in cotton wool a bit. Like they expect to be able to just come and ask the colleagues and the colleagues will tell them. And and maybe the better way to learn is, well, it is to put your case forward and then have it checked by colleagues. Yeah, well, I think one of the most stressful things for clinicians is when those senior colleagues respond negatively to your question. And this happens all over the internet. And I think it's it's fairly common because if you've been doing this for 10 years and someone asks a really dumb question, you, you feel irritated because it's almost an offense to everything that you know. And unfortunately, some people feel that way. I happen to be very patient with that kind of thing. And sometimes I get criticized for that. But I really want... Um, I want them really to realize that firstly, your colleagues will respect you more if you've gone through this process, if you use the seven steps which we're going to give you and you actually articulate each step, you'll also find out that half the time you actually can make the diagnosis on your own when you force yourself through the process. And also the rest of the time, your senior colleagues won't mind as much because they can see you've done a lot of the thinking on your own, you've collected the right information and you've done your best. That helps enormously. So after you've said your impression of what it might, it's likely to be, is there a final step? Well, if you're going to make an impression, then also you're going to state your intended possible management plan. So I suggest if I'm correct, I would do this. That also helps your, your colleagues and it helps them see that you're trying your best to do this independently. Um, and then you want to summarize your key question. And that should be all that you've got left. Like once you summarize the clinical case in your own mind and you've thought about what you would do, you'll usually be very clear where the missing piece is. And then you can be much more specific in what your fundamental question is. So it could be, I think I know what I'm doing, but can someone just check just check that I'm right? Because I think that's the case with 80% of people. They know what they should do. They just want someone to, va- to validate for that for them. And if you structured that brilliantly so they don't have to ask you any questions and you just say, am I correct? Well, you're going to get this huge boost in your own confidence because you've literally laid out your logic and your plan and you're correct. Um, But also if you're wrong, it's going to be very clear where you're wrong and someone will very quickly fill in the space. But I think that's what you're left with at the end. Your key question is your blank spot. Like, I don't know how to interpret this sign. I don't know if if there's any other complications that this could be. I don't know what antibiotic to use, but it tends to be quite specific if you can summarize it at the end. And interestingly, the reason I think one of the reasons that people just put something generic on like help, you know, with a picture is because they feel ill-equipped. However, if you go through the seven steps, someone's probably going to come on and say, kudos for like going through that. I can see your thinking is really good. Mm -hmm. I think, however, I would do this, this, and this. They're going to be so much more likely to actually compliment you than, you know, so that your fear of looking 
like a deck is actually going to not come true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely better. You will you will get a more positive response, and it's also something about the the fact that the kind of person who writes a really good structured you know case isn't really someone that you want to put in their place. Like mm-hmm. you actually probably respect them because they're probably one of the first people on the forum to do it in that in that way. Because mm-hmm. I have to say, in most forums, the questions are very low level. Um, and I think it's just people haven't thought about it. They just think I'll just ask for help. They haven't thought about what it's like on the receiving end of that, which you don't do until you're further on. So I've been asked so many questions that I can, I really deeply appreciate a well-structured question helps me enormously. And I, we should actually look for some and, uh, and kind of celebrate those good questions because it helps a lot. So in summary, let's take a look at those seven steps again. Number one, what's the plot? Like really ask a good question that gets people's attention. I think this might be a VO, for example. Make, make sure that there's a reason to keep on reading. Number two, summarize the nature of the procedure. Where, when, what, how much. All that information that gives us a clear picture of what happened on the day is so important. Next is what happened to the patient afterwards. This is the sequence of the experiences they had. Started with redness, then it was painful two hours later. Whatever the sequence was, that sequence is very important. Next, you're going to have your patient back in front of you. What are they? What's the clinical picture at that point? Summarize what they are feeling and what you, as the clinician, can see. What's their capillary refill? That's a, that's so important to make that diagnosis. But chronologically, adds everything. It's helpful often to include the background, that's medical history and allergies, but don't include every single thing that's ever happened to them. Try and use things that you know might be relevant to the clinician who's trying to give advice for an aesthetic complication. The next stage is to create your impression and plan. So this is this is where you have to do some thinking. Have a go, given what you know about the patient and, the, and their procedure, to say what you actually think is going on and then what you think you should do and then say, will you just check this for me? That's where it forces you to, to turn the cogs in your own mind and that's where all the learning happens. At the end of all of that, stage seven is what you should be left with. It's your key question. If you've got through all of that and you can't quite move forward clinically, it's because there's one missing piece. It should be much clearer in your mind what the missing piece is. Then you ch- you throw that in and all the clinicians helping you will be very clear where they need to step in to give you the advice you need. Don't forget to like this video. We absolutely love seeing your likes and drop us a question. Tim will get back to you. So drop us a question below if you want. And also, did you know, Tim, that my colleague looked in the data for our channel and found that many people who are watching the videos have actually not subscribed to the channel as well? Most people. I can't remember exactly, but a lot, a high proportion, which means that you're not getting the notifications when we drop our weekly upload. Well, that's so, a big mistake. yes, big mistake. <laughs> so subscribe now and hit the bell to make sure that you get the notification for every time you get our juicy snippet of clinical goodness. See you next week. Thanks for watching.